Hi everyone and happy Sunday. It's your host Dominique of Black Girls Talk Crime. Today's episode is a case of hatred, racism, white supremacy, and how it still thrives today in a country that was built off of it. Today we tell the story of Nia Wilson. Let's get into it. Nia Danae Wilson was born on November 10th, 1999, to her parents, Ansar El Muhammad and Alicia Grayson in Oakland, California. Nia was the youngest of six sisters and two brothers, so she came from a very large family. Oakland is one of those cities that is known for its beautiful scenic view as well as its vibrant art and music scene. Fun fact about Oakland, it's where Hugh P. Newton and Bobby Seale would form the famous Black Panther Party in 1966, a political group formed for the protection and advancement of the Black community, with chapters in both this country as well as others. Nia, whose name in Swahili, an African dialect, means purpose, would find hers in music. As she was both a cheerleader and rapper, and even created a girl group with her cousins called Girls in the Hood. She was also known to be skillful when it came to makeup. Her family would later on say that Nia would eventually want to become a paramedic and become CPR certified after saving one of her aunt's lives after a choking incident. That's just who Nia was, helpful and selfless. During a candlelight vigil for a boy she had been dating and his friend that had drowned, Nia would be standing right next to a young woman that somehow, during this vigil, would end up getting shot during a chaotic situation. She would be shot in her neck, and Nia would stay with her trying to help until the paramedics came. This young woman would later die. So by the time she was 18, Nia had already already been exposed to a traumatic event, and even in the midst of gunshots, would try her hardest to make sure someone else was okay. And that would speak a lot about her character. A child very much loved by her family, Nia was described by them as everyone's favorite, favorite cousin, favorite aunt, just favorite period. Her sisters would say she was both beautiful inside and out, and she was always positive. She was set to graduate Dewey Academy, a continuation school, shortly after this tragedy. Now, I would like to give some context to Oakland, our country, and the events surrounding the time in which Nia would lose her life, and how a country already divided could become even more divided with the help of those in high positions. In the year 2019, in the United States, hate crimes, which could be voluntarily reported to the FBI through police agencies, had gone up, and was the highest it had been at that time for over a decade and had continued to climb in numbers since the year 2017, with no surprise being that the African-American community accounted for nearly half of those targeted. Now, I don't want to get totally into politics here, but like I said, I do want to give you guys some context, Um, because I want you all to get an idea on where we were as a country in 2018 and 2019, although I'm sure you already know and you're very aware. Donald Trump became this country's president on January 20th, 2017. Within his first year as president, this country saw a surge in white supremacy groups, and for his entire term, these groups rose by over 55%. So, by Nia's death, although already divided, now they had a spokesperson in office. 
who was basically an ally for these for these groups, for lack of a better term, for what I really want to call him. Because if it was up to me, I would call him a member, period. Meaning that a lot more people either became radicalized as they were already racist, or they stopped hiding it at home and let the world know how they felt now because it became what we can call socially acceptable by a certain community to do so. Now, there was an alt-right group called the Proud Boys, which some of us may or may not know what exactly that means, that were holding a rally in Oakland on July 23, 2018. The Proud Boys, without even wanting to go into too much detail about them because they don't even deserve to be recognized at all, is basically a modern-day KKK group, period. So this group were basically having their members from different parts of the city, state, or wherever meet them in Oakland for a meeting and a, a march. For what exactly, I have no clue. The mayor in Oakland on July 22nd, which is also the day of Nia's murder, would issue a statement condemning the group meeting in her city. She would say, quote, We refuse to be intimidated and will not back down or stand by quietly as racist hate groups threaten violence, and bring messages of hate to our neighbors. I mentioned this meeting because I want you, to, you guys to see what was happening within 24 hours of Nia's attack and how and why I don't find it a coincidence that this happened on this day and why, when some would question if this was a racially motivated attack, some, especially those in the African-American community, would not understand how authorities couldn't make this connection. On the night of July 22nd, 2018, Nia, along with two of her sisters, Latifa and Tashia, I believe, would leave a family party and would be making their way home on the BART Metro, which is basically a train station system in Oakland. You may have heard about the BART Metro if you've heard about the Oscar Grant case, and I'm pretty sure most of us, if you're listening to this podcast, know who he is. May Oscar rest in peace. Nia and her sisters had gotten off one train and waited to transfer to another train when, according to both her sisters and witnesses, a Caucasian man would come up to the girls at around 9.36 p.m. Without being provoked and without saying a word, he would stab both Nia and Latifah. Her other sister would be unharmed. Bar police, who were already at the station platform, would try to help the girls. One of the officers would go on to tell news media that, quote, it was, in my close to 30 years of police experience, probably one of the most vicious attacks that I've seen. Sadly, 18-year-old Nia bled to death on the platform, as her sisters, especially Latifa, who, although stabbed in the neck, would attempt to soothe her, as any big sisters would. She would go on to tell Nia, we're going to get through this. I got you. You're my baby sister. Witnesses have said that Nia's torso rapidly became soaked in her own blood. The next day, Latifa would tell the news that after the stabbing, she saw the assailant wipe off his knife and continue walking. So first of all, this is terrifying. For a complete stranger to come up to you without saying anything, stab you and your sister, and then walk away without saying a word, wipe off his knife while he's watching you, like... I can't even imagine what was going through any of these girls' heads, especially Nia, who was losing her life. Her sister would say that Nia was clutching her neck, and I just can't even imagine, like, just standing there and not even knowing what just happened to you. 
Like, what kind of crazed maniac does something like this? And without warning, for them to even try to defend themselves, like, they probably didn't even see him coming. Police were not able to locate him that night and would issue a manhunt for the murderer. And this is why I mentioned the Proud Boy meeting that was scheduled for the next day, because many began to question what would possibly make this white man want to attack these beautiful black women in such a way, and especially with no warning. Where did he come from? What was the motive? Did it have anything to do with this racist group? Was he a part of this group? Was he there for the meeting? So many questions began to arise. The next day, an anonymous tip would come into police and the bar police would apprehend a 27-year-old white parolee named John Lee Caldwell, who was also homeless at the time. He had been riding the train back and forth since the attack and was captured at another station, which is even more scarier because imagine how many more black women he could have killed during that time period. At the time of Nia's death, he had only been out of jail for four months. He, how, he was, however, sorry, arrested on charges of first-degree murder, assault with a deadly weapon, and violation of parole. His family would later release a statement to Nia's family in which they would send their condolences and say he had been suffering from mental illness most of his life, referring later to untreated bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Um... I think that they should have just released a statement, sending their condolences and left it as that. Because I feel like by you mentioning that, you're giving an excuse to what he did. And there's no excuse, period. I, I really don't care about the mentioning, mentioning anything about him possibly having bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. He murdered an 18-year-old girl and could have potentially murdered her siblings. All you have to say was you send your condolences and that was it. I don't know why they mentioned that. And his mother also mentioned that she had lost two of her own children. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they should have just left some of the stuff that they said out. But okay. Um, I just don't know how to feel about this because I feel like, did this have something to do with his mental health? I don't know. I, I don't, me personally, I don't think it was just a mental health thing. He was able to elude police for 24 hours before being captured and even rode back. Okay, he rode back on one of the trains past the station where he killed Nia, which was also captured on video surveillance as if he was reliving the brutal stabbing. Um, I don't know. I don't really just see that as him having a mental health issue. This man also had a criminal past with charges of assault, petty theft, and drug offenses. The same day that he was captured, Nia's loved ones, as well as many supporters, would hold a candlelight vigil for her at the BART station where she lost her life. This candlelighting would soon become a protest where we could hear the cry that we hear at so many of our protests, say her name. The city's mayor, who had just condemned the meeting of the Proud Boys on the same day that Nia and her sister were attacked, would issue another statement saying, quote, the fact that his victims were both young African-American women stirs deep pain and palpable fear in all of us who acknowledge the reality that our country still suffers from a tragic and deeply racist history. Period. She, what she said was perfect. Um, shout out to the mayor for saying that, especially during a time where our leaders 
such as Donald Trump, refused to condemn so many of these hateful groups. Um, he never would ever condemn them. He would just say, oh, there's good people on both sides and try to make excuses. So I'm glad that this mayor did condemn um, this type of racial violence. Celebrities such as Anne Hathaway, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Jada Pinkett Smith would use their platforms to draw attention to Nia's murder. Nia's funeral was held on August 3rd, 2018 at East Oakland's Axe Full Gospel Church. White flowers would spell out her name at the front of the church where her casket was displayed. And those in attendance would wear all white in honor of her. Many would have pictures of Nia airbrushed or painted on their white outfits. Hundreds of people would come to show support to the family. After her funeral, there was an 18 dove release, one for each year of Nia's life. Then Nia's casket was taken by a horse-drawn carriage to her final resting place. After his arrest, John Lee Cowell would still give no reasoning for his attack on the sisters, and authorities struggled to label it as a hate crime. Although, I mean, I don't know how they did it come to this conclusion, but... They oftentimes never do seem to come to these conclusions when they need to, right? When it comes to our community. Although there was a question of his mental health and his lawyer stating he was not competent to stand trial due to his extreme mental health issues, he was found to be competent to stand trial by the judge. John Lee, like a coward, pled not guilty, and the assistant district attorney decided not to go for the death penalty in the case because he was also charged with lying in wait in order to kill Nia, which could have gotten him the death penalty. However, he did ask for a speedy trial, and his trial date was set to start in January of 2020. Once his trial started, this man tried every trick in the book to say he was insane. And this kills me because for a man that asked for a speedy trial, you know, once you plead insanity, they have there's other things that they have to do you know, in order to make sure you're, you can, you're competent to stand trial, you understood what you did, um, did you have the mental capacity to understand what you did? So for someone to want a speedy trial, it just seems like why would you be doing all of this to prolong um, your trial? Because now you have to go through all these other extra steps to try to make sure that you're insane, right? Um, I don't know. The court has to go through so many avenues when you do that. Um, so I don't know why he would ask for a speedy child. And even the judge would go on to say that John was prolonging his own trial on purpose. In February 2020, during his own taking of the stand, this man would say, again, going on his I'm insane defense, that he believed the girls were aliens that kidnapped his grandma and he had to stab them in order to get her back. Okay. Really? Now, I'm going to go into something that was found out during the trial that makes me believe that this man was not insane. During his testimony, he said he had a history of mental illness and he heard voices in his head. However, he could not remember what those voices told him. And I truly wish I could have saw my face when I read that. Like, I just... Usually people that are mentally ill, that they say they hear voices, they remember what what those voices say to them because they repeat it, right? Um... All this talk of incompetence, but it came to light, and this is why I don't believe that he was mentally ill and did not understand what he did. All this talk of incompetence, and it came to light during his trial that he had actually rode the first train with the girls. 
and intentionally got off when they got off just in order to attack them. That does not sound like a man that's incompetent to me or a man that's mentally ill and did not understand what he did. It sounds to me like this is a man that premeditated what he did and had every intent on harming and possibly murdering these girls. He will go on to later say how he felt threatened by these three black women being together at the same time. Sir, I'm sorry. Um, can black people not be together in the same space without white people feeling like we're a threat? I'm sure that Nia and her sisters didn't even notice him. Because if you see pictures of this man, he is not very noticeable. He's not somebody that you would see and be like, oh my God, like he's not somebody that you would even remember. So how dare you say you felt threatened by them? When the entire time, the only threat on that train was your behind. Like for real, it's just crazy how it doesn't even have to be that many of us. It can be just one of us. And, and I'm not saying all white people, I, and I hope if there's any, if I have any white listeners, you are not offended. But it is amazing to me how they will see one of us or two or even a gathering of, of us and become afraid. Like, when half the time we're not even thinking about them, which I'm pretty sure Nia and her sisters were not thinking about this man. Like, I just, I don't know. Then you have the audacity to say that... He was triggered by them because a week before um, the train ride with the Wilson sisters, he had been punched in the face by a black woman. Now, I'm sorry, I don't believe anything this man says. I doubt he was punched unprovoked, if he was even punched at all. I mean, you just stabbed two innocent girls for no reason. If anyone punched him, I'm sure that it was because he was the aggressor. However, I don't believe he was punched. I don't I don't believe anything he says at all. Um, he continuously mentioned the girl's race to the point where the par- the prosecutor had to ask him that he attacked them because they were black. He had even tried to fight with another woman right after he stabbed Nia. This is what I said before, this man was allowed to be riding the train up and down with other black women. After he stabbed Nia to death, he had the audacity to get into another fight with a with a black woman on the bus. Um, the prosecutor would read the transcript from the bus ride, and he would tell this woman, "You're trying to throw something something at me, you little." And then he says the N word. Um. So how do people not? No one, the police, the judicial system. No one saw the connection between this being a racially motivated attack. Are you freaking kidding me? They knew what this was. But like so many, they chose to look the other way. And I would also like to throw out there, I find it ironic how this man, and I don't even call him a man. I don't, what I want to call him, I cannot say on this platform. So, okay. Let me just call him a man. This man, this POS, just continuously picked on black women. Yeah, you didn't say nothing to any black man because you already knew if you would have came to a black man with that energy, where you would have ended up, period. A month into the trial, this fool, this fool, as a matter of fact, yes, I can call him a fool. This fool was kicked out of the courtroom after first, he first initially refused to even come into the courtroom, creating a circus. Then after entering, he began swearing out loud and refused to answer any of the questions asked. So the judge had him removed. And it's just like, we know you did it. You're literally on camera. 
people like him piss me off because it's just like you did something. You were so tough to attack this this young girl and her sister. Seeing all what you did, how dare you make a mockery in a circus in front of her family, out of this trial? Like, are you kidding me? Even with him doing all that, in July of twenty twenty, during the midst of COVID, he was found guilty of all charges and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. An Alameda County Superior Court judge gave him the sentence after hearing emotional statements from five members of Nia Wilson's family. Her sister Latifah, who was stabbed with her, would say, you are inhuman. I cannot forgive you for that, but I have to forgive you for the peace of my family. He was never charged with a hate crime, which is comical. It's not even comical, it's sad and it's pathetic. This country continuously does not do the right thing when it comes to the black and brown communities. This man should have been charged with a hate crime once he started to continuously bring up their race during the trial. And then the fact that he attacked another woman or attempted to attack another woman while using the N-word. This country disgusts me when it comes to race relations. Um, I don't understand why he was not charged with a hate crime. It's, it's, it's never a coincidence when a especially a white male attacks a black woman in such a brutal way like that and then continuously attacks black women afterwards you know what i mean it's never a coincidence or oh i just did it just because no john is in st quentin prison where i hope and this is one of the toughest prisons so i hope he is getting terrorized every day by the black men in there. I hope he does not have a day where he sleeps peacefully. I hope they mess with him from the time he wakes up to the time he goes to sleep. I hope they knock his lunch tray on the floor every chance, every time he goes to eat. He does not deserve a, a day at peace. He took this young girl away from the world and left her sisters to have the image in their head of their sister dying in front of them. This baby, their baby sister, who they were supposed to protect who was taught to protect her their whole lives, right? Because when you're the oldest, older sibling, you're taught to protect the younger ones. And the fact that these girls couldn't even protect their sister at a time like this, he deserves no peace, ever. And Tania, who did not yet get to even live her life, I'm so sorry this world is so cruel that it creates people like this man who did not know just how beautiful you were inside, but hated you because of your skin. Your name will forever live on, Angel. Rest in peace, Nia Wilson. This is Dominica Black Girls Talk Crime. I will see you guys on Wednesday with a mini episode. Bye.